Alrighty, April 3rd. How's it going? What is up? Good morning. It's Cody Jansen with you on 12 Ounce Sports World Hockey Report Live, coming to you wherever you consume your media. It's all over the place. Everybody knows that by now. What's up? How's it going? 8.05 local time. A little bit of a late start. Do apologize about that. Hey, gotta get some things arranged. We got a big show coming up. For those of you who haven't heard, haven't seen, couple of good guests, couple of good guests. We got the beauty, Adam Irwin Trout, coming on at 8.15. He had a couple of hot takes during the week. For those of you who don't know, does a lot of the social media. So, I mean, if you're seeing tweets, don't always get mad at me. I've seen a couple of things, yes, we do agree on. I mean, that's just going to happen. You know, one of those things is the dub draft. Yes, I am going to ask him about that. I think that's just fair because we've gotten very similar opinions on it. I've gone on a couple of shows and I've, I've already said blatantly that it's absolutely ridiculous why it hasn't been pushed back a year. Happens about that. He also maybe sparked a little bit of fire by talking about some overrated players. In the NHL, I, I mean that—that's all his opinion, right? He's allowed that. Jonathan Willis is going to join us at 8:40 tonight. We'll talk a little Oilers with him. That's at 8:40. Jonathan Willis from the Athletic. If you haven't read his work, you should definitely go do so. The Athletic—they were doing a thing. I don't know if it's still going on, but it was absolutely free to read the Athletic or to sign up. You got. 30 or 60 days free. So if you're not already signed up, would highly recommend going and checking it out. Obviously, I mean, that's pretty much the best journalism in the business. That's the best, especially for hockey. I mean, if you're thinking about Canada hockey, the athletics kind of that pinnacle. So would highly recommend going to check that out. E55, we do have to get into Friday bets. We're going to, I mean... Everyone knows there's still some hockey going on. Yes, we are talking Belarus hockey. That video of them partying inside was absolutely insane. I don't know how they pulled it off. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's kind of like whatever that country was. I don't know, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, who banned the word coronavirus. Absolutely wild move right there. That makes no sense by any means. But still, it's Europe. You can't even control those guys. They're just wild animals. Some of them. Some of them. Don't, let's not group them all into one. It's kind of like saying East, West, Canada, all the same thing. Well, there is a good amount of differences. Let's be honest right there. Doesn't matter. Nonetheless, move it along. I thought this was a funny one. I mean, we, we tweeted it out. You connect us anytime on Twitter at World Hockey RPT, on Facebook as well at World Hockey Report. I still believe, I truly do, that Eddie Lacks, Calgary Flames pads were his best. I mean, he, he even responded to that one. He's, you know, active guy on Twitter. You can thank him for that. But he thinks that his Vancouver pads are the best. I disagree. I really do disagree, and I hate to say it. But his, his Flames pads were way better. 
They were clean. They were crisp. They just had a, a, a good feel to them. And so while I can respect the fact that he thinks his Vancouver pads, the retro ones, I may add. So they are pretty cool. I'm not going to say that they're bad. But I'm also not going to say that they're better. I can't. I, I don't think that they're better. I just think that those Flames pads were so clean and crisp that they just worked out. The Vancouver ones, they kind of have that off-white cream and the maroon. There's a little bit going on with the whole Vancouver. You know, you got that one O split in half. Now I'm nitpicking here. You know where I stand. Flames pads, definitely a little bit better. Shout out, I already said I was on a podcast this past week. You can go check it out. Tyler Kuehl, check it out. The Kuehl Podcast. Hit them up anytime. We did share the link on World Hockey Report on our Twitter page. And just some other news to pass along. This was a tough one to see. It's not like I've ever played in the tournament, but I've obviously followed it along. And it was really cool this past year to see the Alberta Junior Hockey League compete in it with their all-star team. But the 2020 Series Junior Club World Cup in Sochi, Russia has been called off. There's there's eight different teams, I believe, that represent Canada for this. Or not Canada, the world, pardon me. And it was really cool that they were going to have the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. I get it, it's not an elite Canadian Junior Hockey League like the BCHL, you know. The AJ, there's other ones, you know, as a whole that are a lot better. But this was really cool for Manitoba. This would have been really cool for a lot of their players because how this tournament puts is put on is so top notch. It's unreal. I mean, it's a pro tournament from from top to bottom. How it's run. Everyone who's come back from there has had good things to say. The broadcasts are incredible. The setups are great, and so yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. How they invited the MJ or how the Canadian Junior Hockey League picked the MJ. But I know they, that happens. We do have hockey today, this morning, 10.30. It's game five. The Belarusian Pro League. You know, Staminsk facing off with Shakhtar Siligorsk. Yes, probably going to be watching that. And yes, that's Friday bets coming up 8.55. You don't want to miss it, though. We gotta get to one thing before Adam joins us on the show. NHL to Saskatoon. So the rumor was floating around a little bit on social media. That's it's a very crazy thing. It was Sean Simpson from TSN. You know, the NHL talking about Saskatoon as a quarantine site to finish their season. Now, I'm all in on this. Saskatchewan boy, know how much, you know, everyone in Sasky would absolutely love to have an NHL team, would love to get the opportunity. But Saskatoon doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. Kind of weird. Like, you think of, like, okay, well, if you're going to quarantine someone, you probably want to put them in a place where they're happy. Saskatoon? Very questionable. The rink's kind of out of town. Like, I don't think you're getting fans in there or anything anyways. So why not go to Vegas? Why not go to Arizona? Nicer place, at least. 
I don't know, my opinion. But yet again, some people haven't seen Saskatoon at this time of year. I get it, probably down the road. July, April, August, or August, September. Still, Saskatoon, I love the idea. I love the idea. I just don't think it's possible. All right, we got to go to commercial. World Hockey Report is brought to you by MyBookie. Non-AG, use promo code 12OZSports for a deposit match of up to $1,000. That's promo code 12OZSports on MyBookie.ag. And yes, Friday bets are coming up later on in the show. Off to commercial. It's Cody Jansen with you on 12 Ounce Sports. We're back. It's World Hockey Report live. Coming to you on 12-ounce sports, 817 local time. Cody Jansen with you. Join now. Good friend of the program. Adam Urban Trout joins us from good old Saskatchewan. Trout, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Can't complain. It's Friday. I guess it doesn't really feel like a Friday if you're working from home. But end of the day, still getting by. It's like day 45 now. Without hockey, I think. Maybe we're going on two months or something like that. It's feeling like a long time. You getting by? Yeah, I know like a, a lot of a lot of Netflix, a lot of random YouTube videos of, of old hockey stuff that you forget about, but barely get by. Just to clarify with all those T V shows, if you see a TV tweet on World Hockey Report, it's likely Adam. Likely not me tweeting about the Big Bang Theory. Although I do agree. I mean, we've got pretty similar tastes. Like The the Office, obviously, if not the best show of all time, one of the best. Big Bang Theory, the start of it's absolutely legendary. I mean, yeah, How I Met Your Mother. I think. Yeah, yeah, those, whatever you want to call them, sitcoms. Stuff like that. Pretty good. Already, though, we got to talk some hockey. A couple of tweets blew up. I mean... We had some people who weren't too happy with it. But, I mean, you brought up who you think is the most overrated player in the NHL. I think I don't know if you said currently or not, but a lot of current dancers. And walk me through why you think the most overrated in NHLer plays out east. Uh, well, I, I said P.K. Subban in between, I guess, like the, the train of thought. And I'll I'll go against this on the underrated player, like the overrated player. You say that it's it's Subban because if he didn't play in Montreal and if he didn't wasn't all out there on social media and if he didn't um, commit to raising the ten million to the hospital, like people look at him in the same way. Um, like he had like I think three or four really good years, like over fifty points. And we got a couple of replies being like, "Oh, he won the Norris Trophy." The year he won the Norris Trophy, he played like it was a short, the short season in, in 2013. So maybe a little asterisk beside that one. And then he went to Nashville and I guess had one or two good seasons. But after that, I think he's, he's fallen off a cliff since then. And I, I'm going to make a baseball reference here for you. And Marcus Stroman and Toronto, everybody, oh, I, I love him, I love him, I love him. And average pitcher, but but he played the Toronto Carbers. Like, oh, I love Canada, I love Toronto. I think Subban probably did that best in Montreal, which probably got him a lot more points there. Now, I don't know. I guess this is, I'm just kind of throwing this out there. And you, you bring up some good points, but he's had some good seasons. But, I mean, I, I guess if you consider him a middle-of-the-pack defenseman, I don't think he's really represented Canada too much 
outside of the World Juniors, has he? No, and, and somebody said uh, that he, he was at the Olympics, and he was there in, in 2014, but he was the seventh defense, and he didn't, he didn't dress. I think he dressed one game. And I remember, like, during the Olympics, there's him and the 13th, 4th, and 3rd goalie, whoever it was, it might have been Flurry or something, but they're like, yeah, like, we're screwing around at practice and stuff like that, and we're having some good times at morning skates, and I remember Subban dressed up as goalie and took the gloves to play goalie at morning skates, and, like, he didn't play there. Like, he played at the, the World Juniors, but after that, like, he hasn't really represented Canada. I think that was a stacked team. It was 9 I believe, when he played, right? Yeah, that was the, the Eberle goal. Yeah, yeah, Ticker was on that team, too. Yeah, pretty pretty sick World Juniors. But, okay, so then, if you would say that he's number one, and I'm assuming you're going off of current, you're not going off of, like, all-time or anything like that, just current no. NHLers who are overrated, but who, who would you say is two, then, if you had to give a name? I don't want to start any fires here, but I'm going to say Taylor Hall. Um, like, and once again, it's he plays in a big market, so and he had a couple decent seasons there. He, he went to New Jersey and had a complete outlier year where he had over 30 goals and over I think 90 points. But if you look at that, he's never scored more than 30 goals once. He's never stayed super healthy in his career, um, and he's like I mean. I don't want to pick on the guy, but the stats are the stats. He, he left Edmonton, they made the playoffs. Um, left New Jersey. New Jersey got a little better. Arizona got a little worse. And I think there's there's some people in their minds that think that he's going to get $10 million a year. If he does, that's an overpayment. And I think my tweet a couple weeks ago put it best where I heard somebody say that. They heard a scout say he's an independent contractor on the ice, which is pretty accurate if you think about it. Yeah, it could be a rough look on the next team who signs him. Well, we'll leave it there. I I just don't... I mean, you make good points. I, I just don't see him helping the team as much as he's written out to be. You also brought up one of the... Uh, you know, a great all-time debate. When it's who's the most underrated player. Obviously, you're going to get a million different answers... Probably, I mean, a handful of guys that you and me have never actually watched like full seasons of in our lives. Maybe a couple of classic games and all that. But for for underrated players, you brought up a current and you brought up a past player who who really stuck out to you. Uh, yeah. So I think I said two current ones. So the the thought behind that one is obviously Barkov's like been rated the most underrated player, like the past five years in those player polls and I think it's gotten to a point where it's like he's not underrated but at the same time he plays in like a bottom three market in the league so like if he played in Montreal or Toronto it's like he's being named like a top five top ten player all the time and then I think I said Nick Backstrom too and just because he's overshadowed right it's like oh well it's pretty easy every pass you make to eventually you put some in that right but it's like you watch him closely and stuff like that he's he's pretty unreal and I think I said Ron Francis too because like he's way up there in all time points and everything and everybody's like oh like Gretzky Lemieux all those guys but I think Francis was shadowed a bit when he was on Pittsburgh and stuff like that so those three guys like current and all time 
I'm going to throw one out then. I want to know your thoughts on this because, you know, obviously 06 was a tough year for any Oilers fans, but Cam Ward, everyone goes, oh, he was a one-year wonder because he got the team to the cup once. But, I mean, he played in a, a less-than-ideal hockey market. He's up there in all-time games played for a goaltender, all-time wins for a goaltender. Like, he's he's actually in a top five, top ten for multiple of those categories. And his career is really only remembered somehow for 06. I mean, would you agree that he is one of the most underrated goaltenders of all time? Yeah, probably. But I think that's, yeah, as we said, like small market. Um, he had the really good year in 06, but after that, it's not like Carolina is doing much to to win. Like, they, they weren't really spending money. They eventually got sold a, a few years back. Um, but now if you want to pick another player off Carolina that's underrated, and this guy came to mind, like, five minutes ago, Jacob Slavin, too. Right? Yeah, unreal D-man. Like, once again, like, how much how much better is, like, a Morgan Riley than him? It's tough to justify, especially with Riley's year and everything that's gone on there, but that whole Carolina decor, pretty underrated. Just how 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 quietly good they've built their team, and yet again, the the millions mistake is I think they didn't need Jake Gardner. Why why did they feel the need to go like yes he's a he's a fine puck moving defenseman. Maybe he brings a little bit extra speed. You know, I, I don't even know. He's not even really running their power play all the time. But they they really built a good defensive core pretty quietly. And, I, I mean, I honestly think, like, the more I think about it, the Canes are a legit team, even if their number one goaltending situation is an absolute tire fire. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and... I think that they're still missing that depth up front, like Aho oh, and Sveshnikov are great players, but it it doesn't seem like there's much and they I guess they did get Trocheck, but at the same time it's like there's a reason he was traded from Florida. <laughs> so like I think they're they're missing that, that true stud up front and Aho's almost there, but he's not quite there. I'd agree with that. Uh okay, big news this week in the Western Hockey League, first player ever. Granted, exceptional Stannis. Connor Bedard, I mean, obviously going to be a Regina Pat. They like their tweets, so that just confirms it. It's pretty much Twitter official. <laughs> it happens, it happens. So, I mean, with Bedard going, oh, well, first off, let, let me get your thoughts on this. What's your thoughts on a 15-year-old playing in the Western League after seeing Matthew Savoy play whatever he did last season? And, I mean, even took a couple of scary hits that, that really could have been career changers for him. Yeah, and, and he struggled, right? Like he had, I think, seven assists in 22 games. I saw him play once or twice, and he just kind of, he was okay, but, like, if you weren't looking for him, you wouldn't see him. And I think, like, you look at Shane, right, Odie's, like, we obviously didn't see him play, but over a point per game player and he had better numbers as a 15 year old than McDavid did probably on a, a better team than McDavid but yeah it'll be interesting like I think I've watched Bedard's highlights haven't seen him play um, 
it's hard to say like he's playing against 14 year olds right now and he's going to be playing against 19 and 20 year olds um i've seen the the second and third overall picks play uh riley hyde and brayden jaeger and i mean for those those kids in saskatchewan here to put up a point per game and probably the best midget triple a league or one of the best midget triple a leagues out west or even in in canada uh is, is pretty incredible and i it's hard to say right like we haven't seen him play um being 15 like there's nothing wrong with going back to measure and being the best player but eventually somebody was going to get the exceptional status Here's here's the thing, and I mean, Wright's been unbelievable out there. I don't care how good his teammates are in Kingston. I mean, he is going to be something special. There, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. He's the best, you know, 15 year old in the world last year. But with yeah, with, with assistant captain, yeah, that's I mean, that's crazy. But then when you hear his assistant coach, you know, talk about him, and you know, the, just the way that everyone in the organization talks about him. You know, they actually took him serious as a leader. As bad as that sounds, like, you know, he was actually, like, you know, a voice in the dressing room. He was a guy who they followed on the ice. So that's pretty impressive for a 15-year-old to be, you know, showing a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old how to play the game. That's pretty crazy. With Bedard, I've brought it up before, though, is, yeah, okay, whatever. He played in that Canadian school prep league, so he's playing against 17-year-olds as well. It's not as good as Midget AAA. And as you said, what's wrong with going to Midget AAA and being the best player? What is the dub hurt from that? I mean, aside from the publicity and everything, I get it. There's a whole marketing standpoint. But I, I just don't I don't see as much benefit as everyone else does. I, I yeah. really would love to see this, this Bedard play in an elite level midget triple a and i get it midget triple a in british columbia has gone absolutely downhill with all the school leagues but it's still that's 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 the thing too right like i was going to mention the prep schools and you have everybody who wants to go to like the top let's say three schools probably are getting the best players and and then their numbers get inflated right like they go and play some team and they beat them 11-2 and it's like well this guy had 90 points in 30 games were like in Saskatchewan, like, all the teams are, are pretty even, right? Like, once, like, there's the odd, like, one or two teams that are just terrible, but, like, a lot of those teams are even, and, like, you're a point-per-game guy, and that's actually, like, really good, right? Yeah, and, if like, you if you look at, like, the, the... I was looking at it a long time ago, and it was all the top scores from Midget AAA, and I was just going year by year, and it was pretty much like the top five every single year they panned out into, you know, they had a long career in the dub or they're playing professional right now. And I mean, well, that just shows how good the league is. We'll give a, we'll give a shout out to, to Cole Lind here. So, and his brother. He was, yeah. Oh my goodness. Keiko. Yeah, but Cole and uh, Garrett Peel, and they got sent back as 16-year-olds to play Mission AAA. And, like, I guess... They probably, like, everybody probably wanted them to stay, but it's like, no, go back, develop. So, Cole had 45 goals, Garrett had 90-some points. They were the second and third round picks, and then they both, uh, they're both played professionally and on the cusp of the NHL right now. Right? Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I guess, last question for you, and I know you gotta get out of here right away, but, 
I mean, you brought up the point of the whole, there, there's growth, there's a lot of development that happens between 14 and 15. And I think it was the Oil Kings prospect that you, you just retweeted a while ago. And, I mean, from the time he was drafted to the time he was signed, he grew, like, what, four inches and put on, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds. The, the WHL draft could be the stupidest thing ever with that whole extra year buffer it's unnecessary it's stupid and yet again you would get a a lot better talent or a lot better draft if you're going to see these players play all play midget hockey because then you know that they're playing against the highest level of minor amateur hockey and it it just makes sense to have it as 15s am i wrong no not at all and like i I think bantam like i see so many guys and like i'm sure you played against guys like I play against guys and you're like, they're just so much bigger and stronger at this age, but like they, they don't like think the game well. So right, they go have 60 goals in, in Bantam and in their second year Bantam playing against 13 year olds, they go to midget the next year, they're playing against 16, 17 year olds, they have like 20 points and they struggle. And then it's like, oh, well, like this, this team took them in the first or second round because they're this five foot nine kid who is bigger and stronger than everybody else then. Oh, so many, so many kids that were. If you're over six foot three or six foot four, especially in Bantam, you're getting drafted. Like, there's no Even like question. Five nine. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of a, yeah. anyone, but like, it's it's half about like they're just trying to predict size and everything, and like, there's so much that goes goes into being a dub scout. It's so much harder than the OHL other leagues like that and everything it just it's it's a it's a crooked thing where i don't know why they haven't moved it up like it just doesn't make sense to me like i haven't had someone put a viable argument out there as to why they shouldn't move it up and i mean until that happens i I just think that they're stupid no exactly like i truly wonder like how many of the picks would change because like like i'm not not a doctor or anything but like 14 to 15 seems to be the year that, like, a lot of kids either go into their body or something like that. Like, there's not too many. Like, most of the kids, by the time they're 16, you kind of know what they are. But, like, when they're 14, you're not sure. And, like, as I said, like, a, a guy's building his way through Bantam. He gets picked picked high in the first couple of rounds. And it's like, oh, like, two years later, it's time for him to make the, the team even more better than he was, than he was when he was in Bantam because he's... He's fully grown. Oh, there's there's so many kids like that. And I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, everyone goes, oh, they're a hidden gem. They were drafted eighth round in the, the dub draft. Well, n- no. Like, I mean, two years of midget hockey can, can really change a player and how they develop, how they actually play and everything. And, I mean, y- you played bantam hockey too. There's some kids, and I think it's well, they don't have AAA in Saskatchewan. It's bantam AA still, I do believe. But like, there's some kids that have no interest in working out at 13 and 14, and there's others whose parents are spending you know tens of thousand dollars on it, and it doesn't mean that they're going to be a better hockey player. I mean, some players just kind of it, it clicks that oh, they want to play hockey when they're 15, 16, and so it's really, it's a, you're rolling the dice, it's a gamble, but that's kind of the Western Hockey League. If you look at it this way, too, the the leading score in the Western Hockey League this year is a fifth-round pick, and I saw him in Batsman, he's like five foot seven, whatever, gets drafted, fifth round, ninja triple A for two years, does pretty 
well there, and that's like two years later, he's the leading scorer in the dub because he's six foot one or six foot two. Nothing wrong with so being like, the best player in midget AAA, as you said. I mean, you can't say it any better than that. Yeah, what's what's wrong with having the puck on your stick more? <laughs> exactly, Adam Urban Trout, our guest, joining us. Thanks as always, buddy. Appreciate you coming on the show. Beauty sounds good, man. There it is. Great interview. Great insight. As always, Adam Irwin Trout. He's always got some good things to say. Great to talk to another Sasky guy about things like the dub. He's always got a few of those hot takes on Twitter. Got to enjoy that. Check it out anytime at World Hockey RPT on Twitter or on Facebook, World Hockey Report. Alrighty, let's go to a quick commercial. When we come back, Jonathan Willis from The Athletic. Let's talk some Oilers back after the break. It's World Hockey Report live, coming to you on 12-Ounce Sports. Cody Jansen with you here, April 30, 41, local time up in the Great White North. Joined now by the Athletic Edmonton's finest, Jonathan Willis. Jonathan, how's it going on this Friday? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Cody. Where, where are you at? I mean, what are you doing to, to pass the time? Obviously, it's a little bit weird when you're not watching live games, but obviously you got to be pumping out content as a writer because, I mean, from my perspective as a, as a consumer, as a reader of The Athletic, you're, you're checking it more. You almost like you're sitting around bored, you're twiddling your thumbs, and you want to be reading as much as you can, although, you know, the live hockey isn't going on. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's kind of a... It's an interesting situation. Uh, it, I guess the one sort of silver lining in, in everything that's happening for from a work perspective for me has been this ability to to get into things that normally in the day to day rush of the season I wouldn't be able to. So uh, not having li- I mean we all miss having sports. I mean I, I don't think anybody's arguing that, but the ability to kind of get away from the day to day and dig into some research pieces and some other stuff that we've been wanting to get at is uh well it's it's an opportunity so we're we're gonna just keep doing that and and uh hopefully answer some questions that have been been bugging me since the start of the year and and uh you know steam on that totally makes sense there now i want to talk oilers obviously i mean you're at the athletic edmonton and uh it was a it was a it was a great year. Let's be straightforward for for what people had expected in the off season to what was actually put on the ice. I think there was a lot of successes, and a lot of it does start in Drysital. I mean, I think you can kind of hand him a few trophies here at the end of the season if this is the end of the regular season. You know, McDavid was great, but in, in your opinion. Which, which, or who on the Oilers took some of the biggest leaps forward this year? I mean, who did you see truly develop into a player who maybe you didn't think they would be? Well, you, you mentioned um, you mentioned Drysaddle off the top, and obviously he had a great year. But if you look beyond the the, the big guns, um, Ethan Bear is to me. I'm, I'm, well, Ethan Bear and Kyler Yamamoto, I guess, share the share the designation. Uh, Bear in particular. The thing he showed me this year that I didn't see when he was playing in in Bakersfield is uh, a dynamic quality as a skater, which I, I just I didn't know that he had that. And looking back on it with hindsight, I've kind of wondered if maybe this was a function of him being banged up last year, because I mean he was he was great two years ago. He was still raw, but and obviously he's developed a ton since then. But I just didn't see him taking this much of a step from where he was last season, where he was a very good American League defenseman, but he battled injuries all season. So so maybe that's the answer right there. But no matter how you look at it, 
like he stepped into a top four role the second game of the year and uh, basically never never stopped. He's he's their best right side defenseman, and I don't think anyone expected that. And then you add in Kyler Yamamoto. Um, yeah, this is Yamamoto's third crack at the NHL roster. I think the things that you love to watch in his game, you know, his tenacity, his speed, his ability to to back check, like that we'd seen. What came as a shock was his offensive ability. I think there's a little bit of um, air in the in the in the, the numbers. Like he, he scored on one in four of his shots, which probably is not going to continue going forward. But for him to come in and be a point per game player over a third of the season, that, that's just a phenomenal development from a player the Oilers really needed to uh, to come into his own. So I, I'd say those two guys are the, are the biggest revelations this year. And obviously, the biggest change in the organization. Aside from Shirelli going and Holland coming, was Dave Tippett behind the bench? And this is an interesting one too, where you, you, you kind of you, you see here, you you read some people give Dave Tippett a lot more credit versus others. Where are you standing on that? Like, if you've got to give Dave Tippett a report card today, what what's on it? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if it's the it, high marks for sure. Maybe the highest possible. Certainly an A uh, an A grade. Um, he's I, like I don't know what people would want from him that he didn't deliver. One of the things that I really valued about him this year uh, was his ability to be even keel. When things were bad, he was even keel. When things were good, he was even keel. He didn't go to the whip a whole lot when the team was struggling. Like he really seemed to pick his times and places to crack down. Um, he really seems to have a feel for uh, keeping keeping people at a certain level regardless of what the the performance is right because coaches talk about that all the time trusting the process rather than than necessarily the results game in and game out and he did a good job of that i, I thought managing the goaltending I, I don't really think the oilers have an above average goaltending tandem he got a lot out of them uh and then special teams like you, you look at special teams that's an area you always judge the coaching staff for he unlocked that top power play unit um the Oilers have had a decent power play the last few years, but when you've got McDavid and Drysaddle together, decent is sort of the minimal bar. This is the best they've ever played on the power play. He found he found a new level for that unit and unlocked it. I, I mean, you don't want to take credit away from the players, but the coaching staff certainly um, deserves mention there. And the penalty kill as well. They made a real effort on it. They brought in personnel, and they executed a, a strategy, and it worked. So I think across the board, you have to give them really good marks. You took my point there with the the penalty kill, and I think a little bit of that comes from just the the Dave Tippett buy-in. I mean, we've seen it in the past with what he's got from Arizona, Phoenix, you know, with his Yost teams in the past, and you can definitely tell on the defensive side of the puck this season. I mean, and it, it does it starts with the penalty kill. It's I mean, twice as good as it was last year, almost it feels like at least. And you also brought up the goaltending. I mean, kind of I I feel like it's a little bit also how he played him versus maybe how McClellan used his goaltending. I know they were different. He didn't have Smith, yada, yada, yada. But it's still, I feel like he used the goaltending wisely, and he, he ran with the hot hand when he could. But say game one of playoffs starts tonight, Jonathan, who who's your guy? Who are you going with if you got to choose a starting goaltender? Uh, I'd go with Nico Koskinen. I, I think his like his numbers have been better all year. There's There's no doubt about that. Smith's had really hot and really cold runs. But on balance, Koskinen's been the better of the two. I, I, I think I hate to get into the, the whole intangibles thing because 
we're all operating on on basically gut instinct and incomplete information when we do. I really think Smith does bring a leadership element to the team based on what players have said. I and, and, and even just you know interacting with them, I I think that's true. But um, you know, as, as much as as that, if if I'm right about that, if that's valuable, but uh, you you have to go with the the guy who's been the better stopper of the two. I would agree with that. I think uh, a little bit of my gut does say go with Smith based on how he was for the Flames last year. But then if you actually look back at that series and look a little bit more in-depth, he was either a 950 or an 850 goalie in that series. And, I mean, that's in five games where that shift happened multiple times. And are you willing to risk it? I don't know. I feel like Koskinen's been a little bit more consistent. Jonathan Willis, our guest from the Athletic Edmonton, joining us. Going to stick with playoffs here. And, you know, for the Oilers, obviously, assuming we do get to playoffs and, you know, they're, they're sitting in that two seed likely, what's one team in the West who you think would give the Oilers the most trouble if they ran into them in playoffs? <laughs> well, I think the... The main thing, and I mean, it's it's a foregone conclusion now because I don't think we're going to see the rest of the regular season play out. But the one place you absolutely don't want to be is in that last wild card spot and uh, pushed over to the Central Division meat grinder. Because if if you're going up against St. Louis in the first round, you're going to get it, it's going to be a very difficult series either of Colorado or Dallas. I, I think St. Louis is the team I'd be most concerned about in the West. But either Colorado or Dallas would be very tough out as well. I, I'm a lot more confident in their ability to beat teams in the Pacific. I don't think there's a team there that they really don't like. I, I don't think there's be, there's a lopsided favorite there. Um, it, looking in division, the one team I'd be nervous about again, and I, I hate to be boring and defer to the standings here, but it's Vegas, and, and partially that's because I think Vegas is the best five-on-five team in the Pacific by a significant margin, and partially it's team speed. Like you look at, at Edmonton has gotten to be quite a bit faster over the last year, but I, I still think even even with you know McDavid sort of skewing the results, I think they're a half step back of Vegas um, in terms of speed across the lineup. I got a rapid fire for you. Do you like the Vegas pick though? I think Vegas and St. Louis they they bring the most to the table in playoffs, and I think a lot of that has to do with experience. From my thought, but I got a rapid fire question for you. It's the Battle of Alberta. It's round one. How many games does this go? Six. Wow, okay. I was thinking there's only one answer, and that's seven, but six <laughs> is an interesting one there. Uh, well, do, do you remember, uh, if you remember back to 2006, um, the Detroit-Edmonton series, that should have gone seven games, but it went six. If you're the if you're the home team and it goes seven, I you, you want to polish it off early if you can. I, I, I feel like... If you, if it's going seven, it doesn't matter as much if you're the home team. It's more or less who won game six. That's the big one because you know that you know the other team obviously has a chance to end it, and they don't do it. And now they got to play an extra game, which you know might not have been on their actual personal agenda. And I think that's so big is the whole momentum thing. And I I mean, great teams can obviously battle through that as St. Louis, you know showed last season but when it comes down to game seven I think a lot of it does come off of who's running a high I, I always I always feel that way instinctively um, when I looked into it a few years ago it didn't seem like there was a huge gap in the results I, I haven't looked into it recently so I don't know that this is still the trend but I I remember being very surprised well it, not very surprised but surprised anyway um, a, a lot of times like it 
you'd think the team that wins game six has a bit of an edge. When I looked, it was pretty close to a coin flip, but I, I, I do feel like, you know, just instinctively it feels right that the, the team that wins last has an advantage because they've prolonged the series and, and uh, have already avoided elimination once. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I haven't actually looked up the data. That's just my uh, experience. And I mean, you know, playing a little bit of hockey, I would say that's probably how I see it. Jonathan Willis, our guest from the Athletic Edmonton. Uh, just to wrap this one up, I mean, are you able to give us a tease? What do you work on? What's going to be coming out next on the Athletic for you? Uh, yeah, got some interesting stuff coming. Um, just finished our uh, 2020 NHL broadcast rankings, and now uh, I'm going to dig into. We, we're doing a, a thing on one hit wonders next week, and I've got two articles on the Oilers coming there. One on um, Alexander Selavanov, who, you know, it was one of those guys who people go who, but was leading the league in, in goal scoring for a little while, and uh, one on. Chris Pronger's run with the Oilers and, and what happened afterward, which I think is, you know, it's not a great chapter if you're an Oilers fan, but it's it's maybe the most interesting chapter in the last 20 years of Oilers history. That's awesome. There's a, yeah, a couple of one-hit wonders and names you haven't heard of in a while. I totally forgot about the broadcast one. I did read it. Awesome, awesome article. I mean, there's some great insight. But I got to put you on the hot seat here as your last question. Who's got, like, who's your favorite broadcast outside of the Oilers? You can't pick the Oilers. Who's your favorite broadcast to watch? If you're watching a game on TV, you flick on the channel. Who's your favorite, like you know, game team to watch? I like uh, like the team or the broadcast. Broadcast, broadcast. Uh, TSN's production is fantastic. Um, I, I think Ray Ferraro and Mike Johnson are two of maybe my three or four favorite color men in hockey and anytime i hear chris chris cuthbert calling a game i go right back to listening to hockey night in canada on cbc right so um as a kid growing up so i i I like cuthbert i I like jimmy ferraro or johnson with cuthbert and and tsn's production and i'm very happy unreal couldn't agree anymore jonathan thanks for hopping on on this friday morning yeah thanks for having me cody take care jonathan willis our guest from the Athletic Edmonton. Good to hear from him, catch up. Of course, I, I've said it before, you know, his work at the Athletic, what he's done, um, it, it's just so top-notch. It's great journalism, would highly recommend. And as I said, I do believe that they got a promo going on where you can sign up, read a few free articles. They ranked every single uh, local broadcast in the NHL. That was pretty cool. That's a great article, just if you want to read it. I mean, big Ray Ferraro, Gordon Miller guy here. Everyone knows it. But there's also, I mean, there's so many. And I I think a few people would be maybe not shocked. But at the bottom, and I know, you know, Adam and... I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are like, "Well, well, no kidding, Cody. But the Boston Bruins broadcast ranked very last. Now I get it. There's a lot of bias in the broadcast. And yeah, like, you know, Jack Edwards, he's a, he's a clown for a lot of it. But is it really the worst? Is it the actual worst in the NHL? I don't know. I can't, I can't rattle off every single broadcast crew. But I, I don't, I mean, you know, if you get a good Jack Edwards game and he's not being, you know, 
trying to be a clown on the mic. I really do enjoy it. I really do. Sometimes, sometimes, he takes it over the line. And, yeah, a little bit far. Alrighty, it's Friday Bets to wrap up the show. I told you earlier there's still hockey going on somehow. I mean, you, you got to go find the links. Luckily, people are, are, are nice enough to take us in a couple of private YouTube links for some to find the games. Other times, I mean, the 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 website I use on hockey.tv, I mean, don't tell anyone. Yes, there's going to be pop-ups. I mean, you, you're not going to be overly thrilled with actually getting to it. But once you get to it, you can watch some pretty good streams on there. And the bet. Okay. It's the, the Belarus Extra League of Final. You know Staminsk and Shakhtar Sologorsk. Sologorsk is kind of, you know, the, the underdog. They're a little bit of a shock to get in. They beat off Grodno in the semifinals. Minsk, obviously the capital city. I would say, I mean, don't cut me off, but this is government president funded. Hockey there, he obviously loves it. He's not going to cancel sports. That's why they're still going. There's, n- uh, uh, I mean, if you're going to place a bet, Go to mybookie.ag, use promo code 120ZSports. They're going to match your deposit up to $1,000. Mybookie.ag, promo code 120ZSports. Look at on MyBookie. No money line on this one. Obviously, Minsk is the favorite, but for them to win on the puck line, it's at minus 110. Pretty good value there. Plus... The two games in Sologorsk hit the under. Low scoring. You've got 2-1 and 3-0. So that's two three-goal games. But both the games in Minsk, I mean, there's five and six goals. So if the over-under set at 4.5, maybe it's not terrible value to go over. It's minus 130, so not great value. If I got to pick someone, I'm going with Yunus Minsk at home. Chance to wrap up the series, win a championship. They weren't pretty dominant. They cover the punk line half the time. There you go. That's the Friday bet. I told you, you know what I'm going with. Yunus Minsk, puck line over Soligorsk. Game gets underway in about an hour and a half. You know, if we get a good link, a good YouTube link, we'll tweet it out. If not, I mean, you're going to have to find one online. It's live hockey. Who's really going to complain? All right, we've got to wrap it up, though. Thanks once again to our guest. Adam Trout joins us, the social media guru, the mastermind behind a lot of the content on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. Hit us up on Facebook as well, World Hockey Report. And Jonathan Willis from The Athletic Edmonton. Great work. And as you said, he's got a couple of big articles coming out. You don't want to miss them. Check it out at The Athletic Edmonton. For myself, Cody Jans and World Hockey Report, coming to you live on 12 Ounce Sports. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday.